0: Good afternoon, Hamden, and welcome to Overtime Radio. Thank you for joining us live here on WQAQ 98.1 FM and on WQAQ.com this Friday, October 9th. I'm Tom Grasnowski, joined by my co host, Jordan Wolf, and this is Overtime. I'd be remiss if I didn't start the show with some remarks on the passing of my guitar hero, Eddie Van Halen. He passed away on Tuesday at the age of 65 from throat cancer. His music is synonymous in American sports, it's a huge part of my life, it leaves behind a legacy as, in my opinion, the greatest guitar player of all time, an inspiration to not just aspiring guitarists, but creative people really in general. Everyone should love what they do as much as Eddie loved playing guitar, and the world's a little less creative today without him. So, Jordan, I know it's not exactly your kind of music, you're more of a pop guy, but even non-fans know and appreciate what Eddie Van Halen mentioned to the music community and you certainly hear a lot of his music in the car with me. So, Yeah,
1: yeah exactly. Um, you, you said that perfectly, Tom. There's not much more I can really add because I don't know his music as well. But he seemed really synonymous around the rock world. He seemed like he had an impact, a long-lasting career, and it's sad that he's gone. Especially sad during the circumstances that we're all experiencing right now. But he will be missed, and uh, I really like that music tribute you're doing with the guitar. Uh, pretty cool stuff.
0: This so. was uh, Eddie Van Halen's song called 316 in honor of his son Wolfgang. It came out in 1991, and uh, one of his most threen uh, instrumentals, if you will. So it's uh, very fitting, as we remember Eddie Van Halen. But let's get back to sports. We love talking sports. we got a lot on the docket today. We want to hear from you. You can tweet us your questions at overtime underscore radio. If you want to appear live on the air, drop us a line, call us up. That's 203-582-5555 to be heard on the air with Jordan and myself.
1: Yeah, so the Yankees won four games in a row to start off the 2020 postseason. All of a sudden, they've lost two straight to the point where the season was on the line Thursday. They ended up winning on Thursday, forcing a do or die game five. Tom, how are you feeling going into game five? Well,
0: I'm feeling pretty good. Uh, I don't know if I would have had such a good feeling uh, going into game four. I did know the Yankees. I knew deep down that they were going to respond. Okay, they weren't just going to roll over. Their lineup is deep, one through nine, the deepest it's ever been. Um, the pitching, it, it, Johnny Holstaff held it together. Jordan Montgomery had uh, some big energy and, and uh, got out a couple jams. The bullpen was great, and you forced a game five. Garrett Cole's going on short rest, but it's still a Garrett Cole game, and that gives the Yankees the chance to win. No other team can match what Garrett Cole can bring. The Rays have great pitching. They're going to go with Tyra Glasnow on two days' rest, Probably won't go any more than three innings. Cole can probably go at least five, knowing him. Uh, This is going to be a close game. It's been a great series. It's the two best teams in the AL. But as a Yankees fan, as a Yankees analyst, I'm feeling confident. I feel good. I think that the Yankees can pull this off. They showed a lot last night in game four. And, uh, you know, I think that they'll win this series and they'll win this game. Let's say uh, say 5-3, a little close one. What do you got, Jordan?
1: Okay, so I'm feeling a little bit more nervous than you are. Uh, that's just because the Rays they like to play chess and they really like to mess with the other team they like to do things that get the other team out of rhythm like what they're doing with Glass now today starting him on two days rest something that's so unconventional then you talk about maybe Blake Snell is gonna uh, pitch after that I would think that's what I see coming so the Yankees should not worry about that they should worry about playing their own game what is their own game that you ask hitting the long ball having their starters go about five or six innings, and then the bullpen, Green, Chapman, Britton, all finishing the job. So I'm a little bit nervous that a guy like Randy Arozarena could really put the game out of hand because he's torched the Yankees this series. Didn't have a good game last night, but I'm, I'm feeling good, but I'm also feeling nervous that things could go awry. So this has been a really good series. A lot of drama, a lot of back and forth. These two teams don't like each other already, so no. that just adds on to it. I, I also think the Yankees will come out on top. I, at least I hope so.
0: So, Let's talk about the Game 2 debacle for the Yankees because it, everyone's had a take on it. It's their pitching strategy, let's call it first to be fair. They tried the old bait-and-switch on the Rays, the strategy the Rays came up with first. The Yankees said Davey Garcia was their the starter. He came out for the first inning. The plan was to have him go one or two innings and then switch in Jay Happ to surprise the Rays kind of catch him off guard and uh, then save Garcia as well to pitch a game four or five in relief. Now, that still could happen. It was a good idea on its surface when you look at the analytics uh, and and the idea of having Garcia come in and then surprising them with Hap. The problem is, Jay Hap's the pitcher they brought in. He's not fooling anybody, and the Rays teed off on him. His job was to get the lefties out particularly, and he didn't get the lefties or the righties out and it's a big reason why the Yankees lost the game. Many people were confused. I understood the strategy, and I, I, I actually think it was a decent idea, but I don't love it. I think the Yankees are trying to prove they're the smartest people in the room. Yeah, They were just trying to outray the Rays, and it didn't work. And if it did work, it would have been cutesy and gutsy, and we still might have had some questions. But now that it's, it, 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 I like the idea of the regular season. I don't love it in Game Two of a five-game playoff series. It was a little too cute for me.
1: I, I don't like it at all. I I think that what worked in Game One, you should have stuck with. I know that we're talking about two completely different pitchers. In Garrett Cole and Davy Garcia, but to have this 21-year-old and have him so excited for the fact that he's starting Game 2, and then to have him only go one inning and then pull him for a completely different idea that you were going to do anyway, I, I don't like it. I think that kind of messes with his head a little bit. I would have left him out there. I think he deserved to get more time out there on the mound. Uh, he should be on short leash anyway, because he's only 21 and he's a rookie. But I, I wouldn't have done that, and I wouldn't have tried to play the Rays game. Whatever worked in Game 1, I was stuck with in Game 2. I just didn't think there was any reason to mess with what they were doing. Yeah, that's a so. thing
0: to understand. He wasn't pulled for performance. No. It was very clearly a, an opener, not a starter. And Garcia was down, half not as much. And that's kind of the difference between the Yankees and the Rays with these kinds of things. When we say the Yankees are trying to out-ray the Rays and do what they do best. You know, the Rays have to do this out of necessity. They tell people... If you want to beat the Yankees, they tell their team, we can't spend like the Yankees can. If you want to beat them, we're going to have to embrace every analytic, every piece of big data, and it's going to take a team-wide buy-in. And that's what they have right now, and that's how they can beat the Yankees who spend more money than anybody. The Yankees don't need to do that. It helps. Analytics help, and they're very smart to use at times. But when you have the resources they have, I don't like in a playoff series in game two coming off such a a feel-good win, rocking the boat like that. Um, Like I said, I like the strategy in the regular season. It sounds good on surface. I just don't like the execution of it in game two. And if there's any team that wasn't going to be shocked by it and was going to be able to handle it, it would be the Rays. They invented this they you know, did they prepared for this
1: but why j-hap like what did you expect from j-hap that was going to make the rays panic and not be able to hit because j-hap comes in there he throws what maybe 90 91 fastball has a little bit of a change up maybe a cutter i believe a, a slider yeah, i don't it's know it's kind of a
0: flat slider
1: I, what, whatever <laughs> it is like what what is he gonna do that's gonna make the Rays be like oh no like that the, the whole execution of this was so poor and they are so lucky that they won game four because if they didn't that could honestly. Screw up their season right there
0: yes it could have but it didn't so let's talk about that for a second so far at least it didn't screw up their season it was also planned based on game three the idea of having Masahiro Tanaka who's a postseason king uh, on the mound in a traditional starter and to be fair I I love Tanaka more than almost anybody he dropped the ball his pitches were flat they were hittable he really dropped the ball there the Yankees lost game three seasons on the line game four and again we talked about it at at the open Big hits from Gleber Torres, uh, Giancarlo Stanton, and uh, even Kyle Higashioka had an RBI in there. And uh, the pitching performance is the big one. Montgomery uh, showed some guts in the bullpen, helped the Yankees stay alive. But some standout players in this series. Um, the big story here for me that could get swept under the rug if the Yankees lose, and it really shouldn't, is Giancarlo Stanton just earning his pinstripes yeah, in the best way one. possible. This guy, the narrative was getting old, right? He's not the same in New York as he was in Miami. He was injured. Uh, his numbers were down a little bit. He hadn't proven himself in the playoffs, and they need him the most. But he literally has hit a home run in all but one of the games, his most recent. And by the way, he still had a big double last night. Six home runs in five games. They're all moonshots. Six balls over 100 miles an hour exit velocity. He has excellent plate discipline these days. He's laying off of pitches. I wrote an article on this at Pinstripe Alley. He is laying—his his batter's eye has improved so much, and that's big. It's getting him into hitter's counts. He's getting pitches to hit over the middle, and he's just demolishing them. So the improvement of Stanton, both health-wise and approach-wise, has been so huge for the Yankees in this series. And win, win or lose, we need to be talking about Stanton finally earning his Yankees pinstripes. And, you know, I don't want to hear fans go off on this guy anymore unjustly because he proved— he was the only guy contributing for all six of these games in the playoffs. Other Yankees have been up and down. He's contributed all six games.
1: Yeah, ditto. And Giancarlo Stanton. Remember what he did in Miami, right? Uh, he had like a fifty home run season. He went to to uh, what was it, City Field and teed off there and he just looked like a guy that was ready to carry that mantle in miami and then things didn't work out he comes to the yankees and fans are on him literally for every little thing that he does and this time i he really showed his stripes and i think it was just like you said he earned his pinstripes there are still going to be those fans out there that will still be on him um that's just how the yankee fan base works but yeah. he <laughs> He really showed himself this postseason. I'm really buying into Giancarlo Stanton, and, and I think that they, I'm so happy this happened now, especially against a team like the Rays that do have some good pitching. So DJ LeMayus having
0: a pretty good playoff. Not the last couple of games have been a little quiet, but still pretty good playoff. Gio Urshela continuing to uh, rise in prominence with his defense and his clutch hitting, that grand slam against the Indians. Uh, Garrett Cole has been great so far. He's pitching on short rest. Can't ask for much more than that. Chapman has been nothing but money in uh, the late game. And uh, for the Rays, some standout players there. I mean, you mentioned him earlier, Randy Arazarena. He was the throw-in in this Jose Martinez trade, a fairly minor, nondescript trade, and he's become the best player of the trade. What What's going on there? How is Arazarena hitting all these balls so hard? And uh, he's just, it's been incredible. What, what's what's going on there, Jordan?
1: I, I don't know. I just think that sometimes when you're a team, you plan on certain guys, like for the Rays, right? You plan on Per se, maybe G-Man Choi or Brandon Lau. You kind of forget some other pieces to kind of game plan for, and I think Randy Arozarena is really taking advantage of that. And the Yankees probably had no idea who he was. They probably didn't really game plan for him, and he really made them pay for it. So, uh, right now, I'm I'm trying to find his postseason stats and kind of show you like what he's been doing. As I have it right here, he has a 500 average. He in this series, he has a 500 average. A 529 on-base percentage, an over 1,000 slugging percentage, over 1,000 OPS. He has five runs, eight hits, and 16 at-bats. Yeah, he's been incredible. In four games and three home runs. So I, I, I can't explain it. He's just one of those players in the postseason that you don't expect to step up and did. It's kind of like David Freeze all over again, if I can think of a name right now.
0: The Rays, so. are, the Rays are good, okay? And the Rays have pitching and they have the buy-in that I mentioned where they all want to do whatever it takes to beat the Yankees and that's great for their team chemistry and and they are kind of a team of Yankee killers their bullpen's been pretty pretty impressive because they got guys who they got three guys on the team that throw 100 they've got side armors they've got short armors they have got lefty specialists Um, you know they've got something for everyone to get out really in the bullpen and it's why they're so good. Uh, It's really been a standout performance in the Yankees and Rays. It's been an awesome series. I still have the Yankees winning game five tonight. I'll say 5-3. Can I get a score from you, Jordo?
1: I'm going to say the Yankees win 7-4. I think it'll be a little higher scoring. I think with the pitchers on short rest, I think you're going to see some balls hit harder than you would normally see. All
0: right. Well, the winner of that series will take on the Houston Astros.
1: Oh, my God. Of course, that's who it is.
0: And I want to talk about... The Astros playing the victim card because boy, is it bothering me. It is really bothering me how the Astros are trying to tell people that they're the ones who have the long odds and they're the ones who deserve sympathy after their cheating scandal, their three years old cheating scandal that resulted in a ring and could have resulted in another, uh, blew up in their faces and they didn't apologize for any of it. Carlos Correa said, I know a lot of people are mad. I know a lot of people don't want to see us here. What are they going to say now? And uh, they've had this sort of victim card. Uh, Martin Maldonado tweeted about uh, the Yankee, about their A's rather. They wanted us, they got us. And uh, you've seen Zach Greinke be very cocky and arrogant on the mound, tipping his pitches to the, to the athletics hitters. The, Ast- the Astros are not a team that anybody likes right now across baseball and across fans and it, and when they have the nerve and the gall to play the victim and act like they were the ones who are who are the underdogs that's just nonsensical nobody wants you to win you shouldn't even be you know some of these players should have been suspended and they weren't suspended and when they just keep running their mouths it just makes you want them to lose even more and even if the yankees lose this series go Rays then okay and if the yankees win by all means go yankees do whatever it takes to keep the Astros out of the World Series, because they, they, their attitude has made them so supremely unlikable. After this this scandal, they could have fessed up. They could have been, you know, honorable about it, as honorable as you could be. You know, like a steroid scandal, and guys admit it and they try and repair their image. No, the Astros have just gone deeper down the rabbit hole and uh, become the bad boys of baseball. And I hope that they lose badly to the Yankees or Rays.
1: Uh, you know the Astros are just the type of team that gets under your skin. Whatever they do, especially with what happened in the past, at this point they just get under your skin. They outplayed Oakland. That's that's what I have to say. They outplayed Oakland the entire series. Oakland didn't have Matt Chapman. That was a big loss. But Oakland had. I feel like Oakland was playing a little bit scared, and I don't know why. They played better than them the entire regular season. But when it came to the postseason, they had leads in most of their games. I just couldn't contain their leads in the end. And, and they let the Astros playoff experience, like, get the better of them. And it just angers me because the Astros are a team that goes out there. They smile at you. They, they wink at you. They really try to show you that who they really are. And the more they do that, the more I want to see them get plunked in the, in the hips. So, um, you know what? It, it just it's annoying to me. Uh, the Astros, they, they're, do, they're at least they're doing it the right way, I guess, but still not fun to watch. Do we even, have we even earned their trust? <laughs> and uh, it's just that they have no pitching this year. Verlander's hurt. Uh, Lance McCullers is their best starter, but they're still finding ways to win with their offense. Just ah, uh, it's just so frustrating. I really want to see them lose and not be in this spot, but. They got themselves an ALCS again, and uh, I don't know what to say. I really don't. I'm kind of speechless. Too
0: bad for the Athletics. They blew leads, like you mentioned, in those games. They hit uh, in a lot of the games, but their pitching just couldn't bail them out. Every A's pitcher pitched except Mike Fires, who was the man who infamously... Showing the spotlight on the yeah, Astros Yeah, I would have loved Mike stealing. Fires to
1: throw his third, no no-hitter of his career, yeah. if he were to, but he didn't get to do that. So Jose
0: Altuve this season just hit 219 with a 286 on base percentage. It's not so easy when you don't know what pitch is coming. Uh, he did have a home run, though, in uh, the seventh inning of the deciding game. And Carlos Correa also, they perf- they've been performing in the playoffs at least, but we'll see how much longer it lasts. It's not the same when you don't get trash can bangs knowing that a curveball is coming. Not quite the same. So we'll see. They'll get the Yankees or the Rays in the ALCS. And boy, that would split, that would divide America, wouldn't it? Not the uh the Yankees, who's very hard to root for if you're not a Yankees fan. Versus the Astros in the ALCS. There's so many fans
1: (laughs) that we're friends with that I can name off the top of my head right now that would despise watching this World Series, it's like when me and you had to watch the Patriots Eagles. Oh, this will be their Patriots Eagles. Them, the Yankees and Astros uh, make it to the ALCS. Yeah,
0: that was terrible. Move over to the NL. LA Dodgers sweep the San Diego Padres three games to none. Biggest thing from that series, the tempers flared. Uh, Bruce Dar Gratterall acted like a, a big hero after having given up nothing but hard contact, and his teammates consistently bailed him out. And Manny Machado took, called him out for it. Uh, he, he screamed. Unmentionable profanities that I can't say on the radio, but I'm sure you can figure out. Um, one of them began with the letter F, and the next one began with the letter Y. Uh, Fernando Tat- Tatis Jr. Fernando Tatis Jr. also got involved. A uh, very showy, showboaty player, but usually deserved. He backs it up almost all the time, and he had that big home run, almost that Bellinger robbed. Uh, you know, the thing of Tatis, he backs it up. Machado is just so unlikable, um, and. I'm glad to see the Padres out. They sort of got what was coming to them. Postseason Kershaw returned for the Dodgers and not in a good way. He did give up uh, some dingers late in uh, game two. But Dodgers still hung on to win. Joe Kelly, of all people, got the save after Kenley Jansen blew it yet again. But the Dodgers, same postseason woes as usual, right? But this time they still found a way to win all the games. They're back in the NLCS. So, Giordo, how worried are you? Are you worried at all? Because it's weird, because the Dodgers swept the series, but the same old problems popped up again with Jansen and Kershaw and, and and Tempers. So are you worried at all about the Dodgers, that they haven't slain those same old woes, or do you think that the 3-0 record dispels all that? Hmm.
1: You know, the Dodgers, I feel like this team is just as, as good as the Dodgers team has ever been, right? I mean, you have Cody Bellinger, Mookie Betts, Justin Turner, Chris Taylor, Corey Seager, what have you. I don't think I'm that concerned because they still beat the Padres in three games. And I know that, like, maybe they didn't look as good as you could have looked in those games themselves, especially with Kenley Jansen at the end of the game. I think that's a little bit concerning because he seems to do this quite often. But the the Dodgers offense just looks amazing cody bellinger in center field when he robbed fernando tatis of that home run was majestic it was one of the best plays i've ever seen from a center fielder in that late of a game so i'm not too worried about the dodgers they got the job done the only little thing i'm worried about is how they're going to close out games
0: in the padres they're their time is yet to come no they're They're,
1: too young and unbattle tested in my opinion
0: right but the time their time is yet to come it still has uh they're, they're still of yours on the window uh, they'll see the, how the Padres look next year and see if they can augment anything in the offseason, make any additions. I'm not sure how much money they still are comfortable spending, but uh, we might have to rely on some young players and it as well. But it could be a desirable destination for some free agents looking to maybe go ring-chasing. Oh, San yeah. Diego is always a fun place to play and live, of course. So... You know, watch out for the Padres in the future, but the Dodgers are still clearly the better team right now.
1: See, I'm happy that this core actually worked because I was excited when they got Upton, Myers, and Matt Kemp, and that flamed out so fast. Craig Kimbrell. And now they have Hosmer, Myers, Machado, and Tatis, and it seemed like they found something there. So I hope they continue this postseason experience and they really go on up from here because what hurt them in this series, I didn't think they were going to win anyway, but the fact they didn't have Clevenger, Denilson, Lamette, two of their best pitchers, that hurt them a lot because you need to have your best pitchers against a potent Dodgers offense that has Cody Bellinger and Mookie Betts in it. So,
0: One more series in the NLDS, and this one was pretty uneventful for the most part. Went about the way many people thought it would. Braves-Marlins, Braves won 3-0. They swept the Marlins. Uh, Miami, they got by versus the Cubs with great pitching. And, uh, you know, the pitching, I don't think, was the problem in this series for the Marlins. They didn't hit. The weird thing is, where did Atlanta's pitching come from? They have four shutouts in their five playoff wins, which is crazy because they had a, an ERA, I believe, in the rotation of over seven outside of Freed, their ace. They had, wow. no other, they had no other dependable starters. It could have been over. It's at least over six. I know that. But now in the playoffs, they got four team shutouts already, four shutouts from the whole team. Like, where does the pitching come from for the Braves? And on the converse of that, the Braves hitting has kind of disappeared. They had 48 strikeouts versus the Reds. They think have 48 strikeouts against the Marlins, but the, the hitting still hasn't been as good as it maybe needs to be, although Acuna had a couple of—he had one big game with a couple home runs, then he went 0-4 for 4 the next. So what's your read on the Braves here? Do you think that their newfound pitching is for real, um, and or how heavy do the offensive woes bother you?
1: This is tough because right now I'm looking at a guy like Ian Anderson that's really stepped up. I mean, right now in the postseason, he's 2-0. and He has— Let's see. Uh, 11 innings pitch, 17 strikeouts, a whip under one, and he hasn't let up a run. So, I don't know how long that sustainable is going to be. I think what we're going to see from the Braves in the next coming series is we're going to see guys like Acuna, Albies, Freeman, Swanson, Markekis all step up and the pitching is going to take a slide. Because now they have to face the Dodgers. And the Dodgers are no Marlins. They have a much better offense than the Marlins. The Marlins were scrappy and they played way over their heads. I just think that the pitching took advantage of the fact that the Marlins hitters just weren't really ready for this type of stage. So, I think that the offense is going to step up and the pitching is going to slide.
0: I'm going to shout out a stat here, or really just an anecdote here, from Mark Bowman of MLB.com. When the Braves last played in the NLCS, their pitching staff included Greg Maddox, John Smoltz, Tom Glavin. Their current skipper, Brian Snitker, was managing the club's A-ball team in Myrtle Beach, and that A-ball team had Adam Roach and Wilson Betta on it as prospects. That's a long time ago. That was the last time the Braves were in the NLCS back in 2001. long time since the Braves have been back here. So they have a tough task with the Dodgers, but uh, the Braves at least are back one series away from the World Series. They've been pretty convincing so far, at least pitching-wise. But one more MLB note I want to mention before we move on to NFL. This one kind of just came in breaking today. Uh, Chairman of the board, Whitey Ford, passed away at the age of 91. He was the greatest living Yankee. He was the best pitcher the Yankees have had in their history. A many-time World Series champion, and uh, former so Young Award winner. He died at 91, six-time World Series champion, 10-time All-Star, Whitey Ford, uh, just a couple days shy of his 92nd birthday that uh, 2020 takes another. It's, it's a real, It's been a tough year. It's been a tough year. But uh, again, shout out to the Yankees. Maybe they can win tonight for Whitey Ford. Let's move on to the NFL. Tennessee Titans. They've got a lot going on right now with COVID. Uh, the Titans... Had two more players test positive yesterday. That brought the running total of players and coaches to test positive in Tennessee to 23, which is just incredible and not in a good way. The NFL has put them under investigation for potentially violating COVID protocols and meeting uh, and, and practicing together outside the club facility. If they find anything, this could result in a suspension or maybe even forfeiture of games. We haven't gotten that yet. Right now, the Titans are slated to play this week. It's going to be a Tuesday night football game, which is just really wonky for the scheduling and the resting, but it's based on all those positive tests and trying to get some you know, relief out there and trying to you know, give guys the requisite time, and the Titans have to find replacement players. But the Titans have COVID. The Patriots have COVID. Cam Newton and Stephon Gilmore, two very prominent players. Their game was postponed a day. So, Jordan, I guess I just got to ask you here, what's, what's next for the NFL right now? Can they continue... To go on like this uh, without any changes in their protocol? What changes could they need to make? Uh, Because we clearly have what could become easily a breakout here, an outbreak.
1: Yeah, uh, this is problematic for sure, but I'm going to compare this to the MLB, which I feel like was much worse on a much bigger scale. If they were able to go on, I think the NFL can too. But the NFL does have to make some protocol changes like I believe they should get maybe someone who monitors the team on the road like the MLB did or whatever other league did it. Um, They need to get someone who monitors each team and like make sure that they're following the protocols they need to because we can't endanger people's lives for the sake of money. As much as I want to see football being played because I love football, we we just can't do that, and I know Roger Goodell, and I know that he's a money shark, and I know that he will do anything that he can to make sure that the NFL is being played now, because he wants the ratings, and he wants the money that comes with it, but the NFL has got to do something. They can't just let The titans keep testing positive they just can't let the patriots testing positive they can't make all these switches and have these teams like playing on short rest and not playing on short rest and so they got to figure something out And and like i said i start with the someone monitoring each team's protocols but i don't know what else you could do from there the thing with baseball
0: was you can play double headers right and you can play they play every day teams were able to largely make up the games football and he plays once a week it's tough it's so tough it's a very there's reason for that it's a very physical game and the scheduling it's pretty it's pretty cut and dry you play on sunday monday you watch film tuesday's an off day and wednesday thursday friday you practice hard saturday's your walkthrough it's kind of set in stone thursday night football and monday night football already rocked the boat you know for for scheduling they are, if you're talking, you can't just have games. You can't really have guys play like the Titans on Tuesday and then Sunday and then play maybe another Monday. Like it's, it would really mess things up for them, and it's it's it would mess things up for the other teams that have to play them. They didn't get the COVID. They're the ones that just have to suffer. Ben Roethlisberger said his team got the short end of the stick by it. They did. They really did. Yeah, but the Steelers had an unnecessary, very early bye week because the Titans game got canceled, and. Uh, you know, he said, I got the short end of the stick. He wasn't yeah, happy about Because it. it
1: messes up your mojo. The Steelers won, what, three games in a row, yeah, four were, games in a row? Yeah. And And they were looking forward to continuing that on the field, and now they can't even do that because of something they didn't even do. So. so let's go to a big coaching change. We have our first big coaching change of the year.
0: Bill O'Brien fired in Houston. Now, this was a long time coming to so just about everybody, except people in the Houston organization. They kept on giving Bill O'Brien more power. yeah. And the team just kept on getting worse. He was the head coach for how many years? One, two, three, four, five, six. Parts of seven seasons. Wow. (laughs) He was the head coach. This was his seventh year. Two and four in the playoffs, so he made it four times. He went two and four over that span. Never better than 11 and five. Only once worse than nine wins. Only once. So he's also always in that nine to ten, eleven win zone. And first round, second round, And they kept giving him more power, which was the weird thing. He went from coach to general manager who took it upon himself to trade DeAndre Hopkins, one of the most dynamic receivers in the game, for pennies on the dollar. And then they made him the play caller on top of that. And then literally one week later, they fired him. So what's the future of the Texans here, Jordan? Because they have no first-round pick, no second-round pick, a lot of money tied up to this roster that's really not good. It's 0-4 right now. Well, I don't even know what you can do. You can't even say win in the draft because they don't have a first or second you round have draft. To just pick.
1: start from scratch and just kind of try to grind out games. I mean, you you have you just have to see what you have and then sort of build from somewhat of free agency and the draft. Like this is a really bad situation that Bill O'Brien left them in. Bill O'Brien is the epitome of let's take one step forward, but then two giant steps back. And there's two examples I'll come up with. First, it's in the Chiefs game. He's up twenty-four to nothing, and it almost felt like. It was too good to be true. And then he takes two steps back with the fake punt and with not letting Deshaun Watson go for it on fourth down in in the Chiefs' territory. So one step forward, two steps back. Then the roster continues to get better each and every year. Two steps back, he trades DeAndre Hopkins, and he finally has a quarterback and a healthy Deshaun Watson that can do exactly what he wants a quarterback to do. So Bill O'Brien kept on shooting himself in the foot. He kept on making decisions that were... Honestly hurting the team or helping the team And it was the right move to fire him Because it just was going to get worse from here But the Texans are in a really bad situation To where, like you said, they don't have a first or second round pick So they're just going to have to grind out games And see what they have on this roster That's really all they can do The one advantage they have That other teams
0: that have had to rebuild don't Is they have a top 10 NFL quarterback Yeah, who, as of now, I rank number 5 Sean wow. Watson we, We've talked about quarterback rankings in the past He's certainly top 10 and could be as high as number five. Now, they don't have anything else. That's the problem. JJ Watt is old. Whitney Merciless is old. The secondary, boy, I don't even know who they have. You know, they don't have much else other than Watson, but they do have the most important piece. So you got a coach with a good quarterback reputation, and uh, you really rebuild that defense, move on from Romeo Cornell. You never know. You could see a quick turnaround, but it's going to be hard about those draft picks. Texans are in trouble.
1: They, they are. And I just want to say, I know Emma Way in our class talked about Deshaun Watson struggling. I don't. I don't really see him struggling too much. Like... He has a sixty-five percent completion percentage. Could be a little bit higher. He's Jordan. i add her on Twitter next time. <laughs> like she has over uh, over a thousand passing yards so far. Like passing six, yards don't win games. Fine, game. six TDs to three interceptions. That could be a little bit better. But I I don't think he he's struggling as much as other people say he is.
0: Yeah, he hasn't risen the team to. He hasn't risen the team around him. Of course, he has been sacked more than any other quarterback with 16 yeah, already. His in four line is games.
1: putrid, that's for sure.
0: And uh, he has taken a slight step back, but I can't say I really blame him with the lack he has around him. Watson's not the problem. Uh, let's keep it in Texas because the Dallas Cowboys, they got to be red hot on a panic meter right now because they changed things up in the offseason, right? They added Mike McCarthy as head coach. They got rid of Rod Marinelli as defensive coordinator and yet they're 1-3. and Their lone win came against the Falcons when they forgot to fall on the football. It was a fluky win for the Cowboys anyway. That's their one win. They're playing for a share of first place next week because the NFC East is a very bad division. But we're talking about a team here that has just two playoff wins since 2010. That's the last decade. Just two playoff wins for the Cowboys, and they've only made the playoffs three times over that span. So... The common denominator here is Jerry Jones. He's the one who has to blame who has the most to blame right now. They've tried to blame it on Jason Garrett and Rod Marinelli, and they've changed it up. They've added, they added McCarthy, they made a new DC, but the same old problems are still there. Jerry Jones prioritizes big names like CD Lamb and Amari Cooper over building a competent defense. When you only in a cap league, that's imperative. You can't have both. You have to have one or the other, and Jerry Jones has had a hard time building a competitive roster that plays up to its that plays up to its billing because it's really talented on paper. It just never the results are never there. They're perennially eight and eight. They've been eight and eight four times the last decade, another nine and seven. You know, it's Jerry Jones' fault as far as I'm concerned. I don't know if Mike McCarthy yeah, he deserves some blame, but it's the same old problems. It's gotta be on Jones after ten years of mediocrity. But Jordan, who are you blaming?
1: I'm blaming a combination of Mike Nolan and Mike McCarthy. I think, first of all, Mike McCarthy is really trying to impress Jerry Jones with these flashy two-point conversion decisions more than what he was doing that actually made him win a Super Bowl in Green Bay. And I am blaming Mike Nolan, who is the defensive coordinator for the Cowboys. Let's let's look at the Cowboys, how much points they lit up in the last three games. Against the Falcons, they let up 39 points. Against the Seahawks, they let up 38 points. Against the Browns, they let up 49 points. Something's got to give, especially when you have a defensive line that involves Everson Griffin, Alden Smith, and Dex and Demarcus Lawrence. Three of the Three really good pass rushers and people who can get to the quarterback. And on the back end, not so bad of a secondary either with Jadobia, Ouzier, Xavier Woods, and and Tony Diggs. They have names. They have this talent. It doesn't make sense to me as to why they're performing at this level. So it's got to be on scheme and coaching from the defensive perspective of Mike Nolan. But how many schemes? How
0: many things they have to go through? They've had it with Marinelli. They had it, and offensively, they had it with Garrett. They've tried different offensive offensively coordinators. Offensively, they look fantastic. They've tried, but they've tried so many different things. They're not winning bowl games over years. That's the thing. That's why it's on Jones for me. Because they've had so many different coaches and, and coordinators. Kellen Moore and... Uh, and they still and, have him there. I yeah, think he's still there. He is still there. I think he's he got promoted. I think yes. he's the OC now, Yeah, no? he is. And, I mean, I guess he's doing his job right now, but no one else is.
1: No, the defense is really letting them down. Jerry Jones just continues to meddle in... To the head coaching business when I don't think he needs to do that, and it's really making the Cowboys look bad. And on top of all this negative stuff we're saying, let's remind the people out there they're only a game out of first place, right?
0: So and that Dak Prescott has been elite this yes, year. Yes, he and, has been
1: fantastic.
0: And, and Elliott's not been his best, but he's still good. He's still fearful He's still fear to play he's against top him. top five running back. Absolutely, I think I mean top three. Absolute worst. Absolute worst. Uh, is yes, top three. Yes, you know, but Dallas. Uh, they, I don't know what more they can change because Jerry Jones isn't going anywhere. That's the problem. They've changed everything else, but the results are still the See, same. The,
1: my issue is, is like, it worked in the past when he had Irvin Aikman. Yeah, that, and was, those, that was 30 years ago. What, yeah, <laughs> right. But I, I just think maybe he's stuck in his ways. I don't know. Right. Yeah,
0: no, you're, you're dead on on that. Uh, another coach that could be on the hot seat. I, I definitely think I'm a hot seat. I think he's the next one to go. Anthony Lynn. LA really? You Chargers. think he's
1: next before Adam Gase and them? Yeah, because the Jets Before are like Adam
0: Gase. It's because the Jets are like stubborn and weird, I don't think they're gonna fire him until after the season. But that's should Gase go next I think yes. Anthony
1: Lynn goes after the season as well. If 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 things continue like this.
0: Regardless, neither of them are living past what NFL media refers to as Black Monday, which is when the coaches all get fired on the Monday after the last Sunday of the season. Anthony Lynn is not such a great coach that his reputation is a good guy. I loved watching him yeah. on I loved watching him on uh, What's it called? Hard knocks. I loved watching him there. Seems
1: like a fine human being.
0: And he, he he did battle COVID as well, and he that 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 uh told him how to how to prevent it, and it really went over his team. But he's only twenty seven and twenty five as a head coach of the Chargers. He's off to a one and three start this year. Five and eleven last year. That's an attractive attractive job for someone else. New quarterback Justin Herbert. Usually a new quarterback means a new coach usually, and. They have some pieces on defense. It's not the worst defense I've ever seen. It's not the worst. It's pretty good. Bosa and Ingram, and and yeah, they have Derwin some. Derwin James, one healthy. Yeah, they have some pieces there. It's an attractive job, and I see the Chargers have named Justin Herbert the full-time starter, and that is what they had to do. That's what Lynn had to do to try and save his job. I read that as last chance to save his job, because they're perennially five hundred or under five hundred with Lynn. And uh, making Herbert the starter, I think, is just the last, the di- last ditch ploy, to try and save his job and coax some wins out of it. But I know you want to talk about this Tyrod Taylor situation because boy, he got he got done dirty by the uh, by the Chargers team doctor, and it, it cost him his job.
1: To lose your job like this is not deserving at all. I know that Justin Herbert would have probably had this job anyway at this time. I I think so. I think it would have came in. But for Tyrod Taylor to not only get injured by, not his own fault, he got injured by a Chargers doctor who punctured his lung. But to then be told by your head coach, you're not even going to play another game. We're going to go with the younger guy is so heartbreaking and undeserving. I, I just feel really bad for him. And like I said, Justin Herbert would have had this job anyway. But he shouldn't have had the job like this. That's bad. That's on the Chargers' doctor. That's on the coach. That's on everybody to make, to make this such a big ordeal than it needed to be.
0: Taylor didn't lose his job from a football injury. He didn't get a concussion. He didn't hurt his shoulder. He hurt his ribs, was playing through it. He took a got a pain shot, which is pretty common practice in the NFL, getting you know, a pain-killing shot. And the doctor missed. He punctured his lung. Trying to inject something into his ribs. That is malpractice. Yeah, it's bad. That is a lawsuit because someone else's uh, gross negligence cost you your job. So it's a real bad thing for Tyrod Taylor, Mr. T Mobile himself. <laughs> Okay, that's his nickname, according to Pro Football Reference, and I love T-Mobile? it.
1: T-Mobile. Yeah,
0: I, oh I, I've never heard God. that in a while, but I love the nickname.
1: So is he, so he has bad phone service.
0: No, it's because he's Tyrod and he's mobile.
1: Fine, I, <laughs> but, I know, I know why, Tom.
0: <laughs> but Taylor, again, how many times has this guy been 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 done wrong, and by none of his own fault? Cleveland, he gets injured, football play at least, and then Mayfield comes in. Uh, L.A. Chargers, he sits behind Rivers all year like a good soldier, when he probably should have been playing over Rivers. Then he finally gets a start, and a team doctor punctures his lung. I feel so bad for Tyrod Taylor. And again, you were right in saying that Herbert would have gotten this job eventually. But to come in this way, and then to just outright give him the job, and throw Taylor aside, I mean, there are teams who could use a Tyrod Taylor. There's teams like the Bears, and teams like the the football team, the Washington football team, that are just perennially in quarterbacks trouble the heck the patriots could sure use tyrod taylor right now if he was healthy you know there's a lot of teams that could use him but i just feel so bad for the guy it's it's really brutal but uh, could we see another quarterback change from another team in the afc miami dolphins they're 1 and 3 so far on this season is it time for tua What do you think, Jordan?
1: I think it is. uh, And again, I'm looking at Ryan Fitzpatrick's numbers right now, and he hasn't looked as bad as I thought he's looked. He has a 69% completion percentage. Again, only four games, so that's the highest completion (laughs) percentage he's ever had. But he has four touchdowns, five interceptions, and I feel like this happens every year. Fitzpatrick starts off the season high. People are like, whoa, like Ryan Fitzpatrick? And then then he slides. Then he starts to play worse and worse and worse and worse. And I think, as the Dolphins, if you want to create a spark, if you want this team to play a little bit more motivated than they've been playing, put in Tua Tagovailoa. That man throws one of the best lefty deep balls I've ever seen, maybe since Michael Vick. He yeah. is really mobile. He seems like he's extremely healthy. I, and he seems like he's ready to go. I don't see what's stopping them. I think this would be the perfect time to put him in a 1-3 record. This so- man
0: Fitz is turning 38 in a month, okay? He's not the answer, and the Dolphins know that. But I think... It's time to give Tua a shot. That would be week six. Uh, okay, not doing it this week. That would be week no. six is the earliest. And uh, that's what our friend Sergio, who's a Dolphins fan, suggested. So maybe he's onto something there.
1: He, he might be. I just want to give credit to Ryan Fitzpatrick. Tom, do you know what year he started playing in the NFL? You have it up there. I've okay. got it here, but I it, you can tell him anyway. 2005 so he's played in the nfl since 2005 and it is the year 2020 so for that man to have a 15 year career where his highest completion percentage rating was 66 percent is incredible to me
0: hey, he's a career 30 games below 500
1: I, <laughs> just- I don't i don't know man but i remember when he started four and with the, the Tampa buccaneers and i was like is he the starter over Jameis? And then he started to play worse, and then there you go. I'm not so, trying to
0: pile on Fitzy, but I just forgot this stat here. It's worth mentioning. He's only had one winning season in his career. <laughs> it was the one with the Jets, go figure. That year he had 30 touchdowns.
1: It, it's amazing how much, how longevity he's had. He's a smart guy. I like him. I think he's really funny. He went to Harvard, of course. That's always a plus. But I can't believe he's still in the league at this point. I, I really can't. It's amazing.
0: Seventh round pick seventh round pick 250th overall great career but I think it's time to move on Tua has got to be the man I love Tua I can't wait to see him I, in Miami. I
1: think he ever since let's just go over his first moment ever in the big spotlight was to win Alabama a national championship game in a game where they might not even supposed to win or deserve to win they were supposed to win maybe they didn't deserve to win that one but he made them win that game it was all on him and the interview he gave after the game about reading the safety, I'm like, yeah, this guy's going to go somewhere. Yeah. So,
0: now Let's go kind of quick hitters here. we got eight teams on the docket for contenders or pretenders for the NFL quarter poll. We've got eight teams. We're going to try and get in in uh, just a couple minutes, so we'll try and go quick here. Chicago Bears, they won last night, although I th- kind of think Tom Brady blew it more than the Bears won it. Nick Foles did not look particularly great, but the Bears' defense sure kept Brady uh, on his toes. The Bears are 4-1. and one. Last time they were 4-1, and one, they made the playoffs. Typically, teams that are 4-1 make the playoffs. There's an extra playoff team this year. There's now seven. Do you think the Bears make the playoffs, Jordan?
1: I do not. Here's the thing. The last time they started 4-1, where did they finish? I saw this stat last night. 10-6, and, and they missed the playoffs. That's the same exact thing that's going to happen here. I swear to God, that was on uh, Thursday Night Football, and I saw that stat, and I remembered it for right now. I just think that their offense is too... It's just too, oh, just so, it's just so playing a little bit over their heads right now. I mean, David Montgomery had a nice game last night, but how long can he sustain that? Allen Robinson, teams are going to know that they're going to have to lock him up in order to beat the Bears. And then they have who? Anthony Miller, Jimmy Graham three other tight ends I I just don't I don't see them making the, this is not a playoff team to me and I know Nick Foles is magical he let he beat Brady again he just has this magic factor of him where it seems like teams are so inspired to play with him but I just don't see the Bears making the playoffs
0: he, he does have this magic factor, but... Uh, it's incredible. He doesn't look convincing in these games, but he finds a way to win. Mm. Uh, we got ourselves a caller here who wants to talk about the Chicago Bears. Oh, boy, he didn't handle the, uh, the hold well. Oh, well. Well, this question. I can still relay his question. It? It, was, uh, it was our friend David. Okay, our friend David. He said... From, uh, from what, he said. He said he wanted to know if the Bears missed the playoffs. Is Matt Nagy fired? I think the answer to that's un, unequivocally Yes. Absolutely.
1: Yeah, I, I think that for him, a guy who's supposed to be an offensive genius and worked under Andy Reid and to have an offense that just looks a little bit lackluster and out of sorts, I, I think he's got to go.
0: Okay, LA Rams, they're 3-1. and one. They barely beat the Giants, though. Are they a contender or pretender?
1: Ooh, another tough one. I I've got contender easy. I think they're a contender as long as Jared Goff plays the way he does. Because if he doesn't play the way he play well, they're not. Jared Goff against the Giants. Not good. Not good, but completing passes still and being efficient, but still not <laughs> barely we, won in that game. Was very, still still not he has to he has to be more consistent. And we, I think the whole team revolves around his consistency. Can we talk
0: about the next level of NFL analysis here? Completion percentage around the league is skyrocketed right now. It's not as important a stat. It's not. Around the league, everybody is over sixty percent. I think, except one quarterback. I think it was Haskins. I have to check he got, who it he was. got benched for Kyle yeah. Allen. So like, there we go. Every quarterback these days is over sixty percent, and several are over sixty-five. So completion percentage not even as important. And sometimes, but in the case of Goff, it means he was dinking and dunking and not taking enough chances. He was completing them, but they weren't getting first downs against the Giants. I still think they're contender because the defense is finally living up to some hype with Donald and Ramsey. And a couple other players they have there. Ramsey did a real good job against the Giants, and then ran his ran his mouth after and got involved in a fight. Saw Golden Tate uh, didn't have any bruises on his face, so the perception was that he won the fight. But uh, well, Ramsey certainly got the tackle in, and during the game that was a heck of a tackle. But uh, both guys got their shots in. Uh, Rams is still contender for me. Colts, they only have one loss this year. Contender. Even
1: with Phillip Rivers holding them back? I, he does hold them back, but I think they're still a contender. That If that defense, it's kind of like the Peyton Manning Broncos. If that defense continues to play the way that they're playing, because the highest amount of points i led let up in a game is 27. It's gone down from there. It, if they continue to play like that with guys like Rocky Sin and Darius Leonard, and I know I'm making Jason Hirsch a happy man right now by saying this stuff, uh, Darius Leonard and, and DeForest Buckner on their line, if the defense continues to play like this, they're going to the playoffs. Especially with the Texans and how bad they've been,
0: I'm thinking 2016 Giants vibes, where Eli Manning was holding them back offensively and they still snuck in, and they're out in the first round. That's the Colts for me. Yeah, Bills, they're four zero. Again, we got to go quick here. We got a couple more topics to contender. get to. Yeah, they're well, they're contenders that they'll make the playoff. But I don't see them going deep. Browns, they're, they're going to
1: win that division. Browns
0: contender. Oh no way. Browns sub five us uh, below three one. You want to know some numbers? I got numbers. Fine. Show me the numbers. Points for 124. That's excellent. Points against 126. That is disgusting. Yeah, that's
1: not good. Okay. That
0: is actually only 20 points less than the Cowboys have I th- allowed. I
1: think they're a contender. I really do. That offense uh, looks pretty nice.
0: Now with the Steelers and the Ravens in front of them in it's, the division.
1: I, it stinks that they're playing with two other teams in that division that are better than them.
0: Point. Patriots. They've got COVID concerns. Their quarterback's out. So is their top corner. They still have Bill Belichick. They've been okay so, so far this year. Contender, though? Yes. Even with COVID uh, messing up their roster. I just think
1: because of the pedigree of Bill Belichick that they're still going to be in the mix for a wild card in the AFC.
0: I think I'd agree with you. Steelers, they haven't played in a little bit because of COVID with other teams, but they're, they're a contender for me.
1: Contender as well. I believe that Ben Roethlisberger has looked at really good off his shoulder injuries. He's really got the offense motivated to play with James Conner and Juju Smith-Schuster and James Washington. And then that defense has been outstanding, with led by T.J. Watt and Bud Dupree. So the Steelers are a contender for sure. The, like I said, they're the type of team that's not great, but they still are winning games, and putting, but not putting teams away convincingly.
0: I love our seven teams. I got three pretenders, four contenders. I think Jordan was a little more... Uh, easy i think he had five contenders two pretenders but uh that's what we got so far in some bubble teams here nfl we'll be back to the nfl in literally five seconds for the nfl pick six but we do got to sneak in a little bit on the nba finals before we go because the finals could be rewarded tonight the championship right the lakers are up three games to one on the heat the biggest x factor for the lakers so far it's that no one can guard anthony davis on that team
1: that's what i was gonna say i mean anthony davis has taken his role as to be LeBron's complimentary piece and completely expanded that role so much to so that I think this is, might be the best Anthony Davis we're seeing the way he's shooting from the three-point line the way that he's playing defense he's just really orchestrating that team from the inside and out so I think the heat are just so outmatched by the way Anthony Davis is playing that it's gonna lose them the finals he and LeBron are the
0: best duo in the league bar
1: none and uh,
0: again, no one can guard him except maybe Adebayo, and he's been injured, not as, not as good guarding Davis. What does this do for LeBron's legacy? Well, it's another championship when he desperately needed one for his legacy. He's still the second-best player of all time, but he was only 3-6 and six in the finals. This will probably be his fourth ring, and uh, he lost some really, really, really dynamic teams. This would help his legacy a lot in a big way. Still wouldn't overtake MJ for me, but uh, LeBron needs this. And he's going to get it. It was an easy road. I've been over this. I've been on this point. It was an easy road to the finals. But you know what? He still has to win the games, and he's been playing really well in them. So he gets points for that. He was playing great. He's also been raising Davis and the other guys around him. Big for LeBron's yeah, legacy. Like,
1: again, I'm, I just want to say this team around them really isn't as potent as you might think that they are. Because they, they've really kind of stepped down, like Danny Green, Pope. Kuzma, they've all been down, but Davis has been up, and that's what really has been carrying the Lakers. LeBron's been up and down, I'd say. No, he's been up. Fine. He's been mostly up. Maybe sometimes When was he down? I I have to do some digging. I I think he's been fine. (laughs) He's
0: never been down, I don't think. Are the Heat... Are they a shot in the dark? ACDC plug. New song coming out. Are they a one-hit wonder? Because I think they are. Jimmy Butler's 31. The Heat are going to be good. Don't get me wrong. Don't misinterpret this. Heat are going to make the playoffs in the East for the next couple of years. But I think their championship championship chance is done after this year. Butler's only going to get older. Some of the young players have some noted limitations. Maybe they'll shake them. Maybe they won't. Uh, I think the Heat, amazing run to get to this point, And they're not done yet. But I don't see them competing for a championship in years. A good playoff team. But this was their shot at the finals, I think. And they, they just got outmatched.
1: They won't make the playoffs for sure. Just like you said, to expect hyper performances from guys like Tyler Hero and Duncan Robinson and Kendrick Nunn and Jay Crowder again like this is so hard to ask that I just don't see it happening
0: alright NFL pick 6 I told you we'd be back with the NFL before we go game 1 it's actually more like game 6 on our pick 6 but we'll still start off with it Bills Titans it was Sunday now it's 6pm on Tuesday <sighs> I don't even know when the last time I had Tuesday at football. Oh yeah, I
1: think it's at seven seven o'clock on Tuesday. Was it
0: Giants Vikings when the Metrodome snow when the snow caved in on the roof? I think that was a Tuesday game, I, and the Giants Vikings. Giants. I don't even remember. Giants won that game. That was that was fun. <laughs> I remember uh, having football on a Tuesday and not knowing, thinking about any of the effects. It was fun, but uh, for the team, it's obviously wonky. Bills Titans first Titans game in two weeks. What do you got?
1: I got the Bills. It's just, it sucks for the Titans that they haven't been able to play because of COVID, but that's not why they're going to lose this game. They're going to lose this game because Josh Allen is going to continue to play as well as he's had all season long. Hot
0: take, hot take. Titans take it. Oh. Fields get their first loss. Okay. Little, little mojo. Game two, Raiders Chiefs. This one, Derek Carr had a good bite. He said, I want to, this is not a rivalry until we start winning. It's a historic rivalry, but it hasn't been recently. It's been all Chiefs. Is it still all Chiefs on Sunday? Yes.
1: You do not bet against Patrick Mahomes. You do not bet against the Chiefs at home. The Chiefs got it again.
0: Exactly what you said. i love to see the Raiders win, but I, I've i said before, I'll never bet against Mahomes at home. Ever. Ever. Earlier Mahomes in general. Colts-Browns. Game three. I got the Colts. Uh, the Browns, I told you, don't like their defense- I don't like Phillip Rivers on the Colts' offense either, but their defense is so good. I think they can handle Baker Mayfield and his weapons. Colts win it.
1: God, this can be such an ugly football game, and I have the Colts as well.
0: Somehow, some way, the CBS Game of the Week is Giants-Cowboys. Jim and Tony will be on the call, and uh, America, across everyone across America will get to watch Giants-Cowboys. <laughs> I think they'll see a Cowboys win. The Giants, look, there's not much going right for them right now. The Cowboys, there's not much going right either but the Giants' offense might be the one team that can't score on the Cowboys' defense. Giants haven't scored a touchdown in two weeks. You can't, yeah. you can't possibly I, pick them, but they haven't scored a touchdown in two weeks.
1: It's going to suck when I have to brace myself to sit there and watch the apathetic Giants' offense play on Sunday, but I, I don't see them outplaying Dak Prescott. If Dan, Daniel Jones is going to have to bring his game to A++ if he wants to beat Dak Prescott at home. I know the defense for the Cowboys has been bad, but Cowboys will win.
0: Vikings, Seahawks, Sunday Night Football. It's got to be the Seahawks, no?
1: Seahawks all the way. Russell Wilson's just been too good for the Vikings, and they're not going to stop him. It's a more
0: interesting matchup preseason than it is now. Uh, Finally, Chargers-Saints, the second game of Monday Night Football now. Is Justin Herbert going to show up big on Monday Night Football at the Saints? What do you think?
1: Yes, I'm going to pick an upset here. I think the Saints have been so... Inconsistent, and I think it's going to haunt them. And Justin Herbert's going to take advantage of it with Keenan Allen and other random wide receivers that have been getting open deep. So no Eckler. I know that that's a big that's a big loss, but they still have Justin Jackson and Josh Kelly who know their offense and know how to now how to get open for them as well. So
0: boy, I was tempted to take the Chargers. You almost got me. I'm still going to go with the Saints. They're at home. It's Monday night. I picked them to get upset. I know, the Saints before. at home
1: is a big one.
0: I've picked them to get upset before. I think I was right on one, not on the other. Um, but I will. I'll pick the Saints here. I just hope they bail me out one more time. Uh, I'm not feeling great about the Saints right now, but I'm feeling good enough that they can win this game. But that's going to do it here on Overtime Radio. By next Friday, we'll have possibly our World Series matchup, or at least we'll be deep in the throes of the AL and NLCS, more football to talk, and a little bit of wrap-up on the NBA Finals, and perhaps maybe some big NHL moves that have been happening. We'll see. Now it will be next week, Friday at 1 o'clock. You know where to be, WQAQ and WQAQ.com. Thanks for sticking with us.